You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. My name is Micah Hart. Today I am being joined by Dr. Miriam Mass, a Philadelphia area pediatrician and co-founder of Practicing Physicians of America. So, first off, um, welcome to our um, show, Dr. Mass. Thank you so much. You are a Philadelphia area pediatrician and co-founder of Practicing Physicians for America. That's really cool. <laughs> so, um, I we really today, you you had an op-ed about the baby formula shortage. So, I'd really love to just talk to you about that. And to begin with. At the end of your op-ed, you say, Americans are right to wonder whether the FDA is up to the job. So I'd really love to know, what are your thoughts on everything going on right now? And uh, what should replace the FDA then if they're not doing their job? And I mean, that's, I know it's like, this is the end of your op-ed, but I'd like to just start here and see like how we can progress into more of what's going on right now. Sure. Okay. Well, so if I'm going to make a bold statement like that, I better have some backup and reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to be a reasonable person. So my my concern here is, um, so first of all, if you if we think about babies, they're some of our most vulnerable. They, they can't survive without us. And babies can't survive without eating either breast milk or formula under the age of six months. I mean, I'm about to go grocery shopping. It's my domestic day. And I can buy meat, and I can buy fish, and I can buy vegetables and rice, and I can eat all those things. But babies can under the age of six months. So uh, that we that we didn't prioritize the fact that we were going to shut down the Abbott plant in Sturgis, Michigan, and I'm calling into Michigan here, but mm-hmm. that plant makes 40% of Abbott's formula output. And Abbott makes 40% of America's output. So a shutdown at a plant like that, even for two weeks, is going to cause an increase in, in formula. And furthermore, once the plant was shut down, it took a long time to open up. And to take it one step further, the plant was shut down in February when some infants tragically passed away. Um, each of the infants had, had milk that was from that plant, powdered formula milk. And later it was found out that that wasn't even the cause of their death, that the, the formula that came from Abbott was not contaminated, but no one had even noticed the whistleblower complaint that had happened four months before that time that was sent to the FDA. No one at high levels in the FDA was even aware that at a plant that produces 40% of Abbott's output and Abbott produces 40% of America's, no one noticed the whistleblower complaint pointing out that there may have been unsterile conditions in that plant. I don't understand how you can be a $6 billion a year organization with 18,000 employees and not notice something that is going to affect babies. Yeah. So do you think that something should replace that then the FDA or how would you go about um, fixing that now? I guess what I would go about is let's uh, prioritize and the FDA needs to, there's been no investigation mentioning at all why we have the long-term problem of only three companies producing 95% of the baby formula mm-hmm. that we make in the United States. That's that's a problem because any problem happens inside any one of those plants, and now we've got a crisis on our hands. And, you know, to put the crisis in terms of numbers, before the pandemic started, you would walk into a Target, a Walmart, any store, and the percentage of formula missing from the shelves would be under 10%. And as of, you know, 
the time that I wrote this article, it was 60%. Wow. So it's down from when everyone was squawking about it. We're having an outage rate six times the usual amount that we have, at least that, maybe more, because the numbers are kind of, they're hard to pin down, right? But it just concerns me that the FDA did not seem to work quickly. So I'd like to see a good faith effort that they're, that they're coming out and they're telling us we're trying to move a little bit more nimbly and putting our babies first. I mean, the old-fashioned adage is women and children first. For God's sake, <laughs> so we at least have the babies first. Yeah, and I, I want to, you said when at the time of um, when you wrote this article where it stood, but now, I mean, we're in September. You wrote this article a little over a month ago, I believe. So how are things going now in, with, it's been a month since that article. Are, are things getting better? Where do we stand? Well, actually, I wrote the article about a month ago, about the beginning of, um, of August, and then I wrote a follow-up on it. And at the time that I wrote the first one, I think it was a, 30% outage, outage of the baby formula missing, and now it's a 60%. So the numbers go up and down. <laughs> the problem's <laughs> not getting better. In fact, it appears to be getting worse. <laughs> yeah, and so, I mean, this is a big question for parents, and a lot of people are very concerned about this. So is there any idea about how long we can expect this shortage to last um, with things standing how they are right now without any maybe future policies going in place? Yes. Well, I can't imagine that we have anyone who could predict that accurately, like the, the head of the United States, our, our president, I believe, when the, when the shortage was in the newspapers, many, you know, across many, many newspapers. Very few are actually printing out about the shortage um, in recent times. But initially, we were told to expect, OK, this is going to take two or three months to fix the problem. I, I think those are the, the um, that's the quote that I remember. And it's certainly taking way longer than that um you know the follow-up article that i that i just finished for the new york post i pointed out that um and whether you're a fan or not of the covid vaccines one has to admire how the previous administration was able to cut through the red tape and get those vaccines out on to out into availability under eua when I read about the process, and I've read a whole book about it, um, Operation Warp Speed by Paul Mango, and I'm not making a judgment in the vaccines themselves, but boy, they just moved mountains. And I don't feel mountains are being moved here, and I, it just concerns me. You know, you said, you know, what would I replace the FDA with? That's way above my pay scale. But I think to myself, maybe, is it possible that, you know, in a time of COVID and the, the panic that we've had surrounding it, has our FDA, have they taken on too many things so that they're not handling their original mission, which was to ensure food and medication safety for the United States, food, medication, and, and um, medical devices? You know, that, that was their original mission. And it just seems to me that the FDA has their snoot in a lot of places. And, and they don't seem to be able to get the original mission down pat. Yeah. And you, you briefly touched on this um, uh, just a minute ago, but I, do you think the news coverage has diminished? I mean, I was trying to do a lot of research on the baby formula shortage just to see where it stands now. And it seems as if it went off the face of the earth and we're talking about it a little bit, but not much. And why do you think that is? And how do people still now hear about these things going on? <laughs> well, 
there's a lot of things that aren't in the coverage anymore, right? You yeah. know, like what happened to the Ukraine? Mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness. I, I, well, look, and I'll tell you this. Um, I'm, I'm on an editorial board of my county's newspaper. You know, as the editorial board, we try to talk about salient topics. I don't have anything to do with the news itself and the reporting. But, you know, any paper that I pick up, it feels to me like the news talks about what people want to hear. And I think people tire of hearing certain stories or maybe they're like, we're done with that story. We know we know what that story is. And then they just move on. I mean, what, what was that movie, the the dog that wags the tail or the tail that wags the dog? I forget which way it went. You know, which is it? You know, are they creating the news or are they following the news? Or are they reporting on the news? I think it's still news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we also, we you had discussed the president and what he's doing a bit. But do you think that there can be more done by specifically President Biden? And I mean, I, I was reading something the other day about um, formula being brought in from Australia by the White House. But what else can the president specifically be doing to help bring things in? Because as you mentioned, there are very few providers of formula like in the United States. There's a certain there's like two or three big ones, I believe. I could be mistaken, but I believe that's correct. And what do they do? Because they're we're seeing this as a and you mentioned this that this is a U.S. problem right now. Right. I think it's more like you can't pin everything on one person. You realize running Mm -hmm. the United States is a big job. So let me say like the administration. Yes. The FTC, this FTC is actually announced again and again that they are all about competition and they want to make sure that they're breaking down monopolies. But you're 100 percent right. There's two companies making 80 percent of the baby formula that we consume and there's three companies making 95 percent. That's that's a very brittle supply chain. And we've already seen what happens when one company has one plant shut down. It's a disaster. So I'd like to know why this administration's FTC doesn't seem like they're doing anything along this line. I'd like to know why this administration's FDA isn't allowing and maybe loosening the restrictions or doing something. Uh, There's more formula that we could be importing from places like Europe, where some people think the nutritional uh, requirements in the baby formula are even more stringent and, and thus creating even healthier baby formulas. But why aren't we looking at ways around the labeling requirement. I mean, I'm only guessing, but I'm guessing part of the reason that there were labeling problems with formulas that babies are now able to drink in Greece and Spain and the rest of the EU, I'm only guessing that it's a problem of maybe like language on the labels. I mean, how hard is it to import formulas that other babies are drinking in the EU and relabel them? I, like I said, it's a $6 billion a year operation with 18,000 employees. You've been listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. This is Micah Hart, and with me today is Dr. Marion Mass. And I, I really, um, as I was reading your op-ed, I really wanted to point this out as well. You you talked about the, there's a lot going on in our world right now, but you said, unlike the global semiconductor and grain shortages, the formula shortfall is an American-only phenomena. This means the solution can be found here at home. Could you expand on that a bit as to what you mean by all of that? Yes. Yes, of course, and I'll, I'll even point out, like, another shortage issue. Um, I don't know if you recall this, but uh, about two months ago, there was a shortage of contrast media used in medical studies. So if you needed to have a study of your GI tract or, you know, like you needed to have a special scan done and you needed that contrast media to make the scan be able to pick up what it was supposed to, we had a, 
a global shortage of, of this contrast media. And why? Because it was all being made in China. All the stuff that we used here in the United States. And I can tell you that there are an awful lot of the whole pharmaceutical world and much of the medical supply world. We had shortages during the pandemic of gowns and masks, in part because these were being supplied by uh, the People's Republic of China. Now, our pharmaceutical world, the drugs that we take on a daily basis, the active ingredients, they used to be made in Europe and the U.S. and um, westernized world, but now I believe 90% of them, the active pharmaceutical ingredients are coming from China and India, and there's a lot of medications that we take that are actually manufactured in China. So I, I just pointed out to you something that's necessary for many people's lives is being created in a country outside of the U.S. But here in the U.S., formula is unique in that 95% of what we consume is made here in the U.S., and that's actually a good thing. My concern is is that it, 95% is made here, but 95% is also made by three companies, and it's kind of a quasi-monopoly. You know, all of those, you know, the drug world and the, the medical supply world, it, we call those those settings monospinies because they're a whole series of monopolies. There's some medications that are only made by one, two, or three uh, three companies. You know, like the EpiPen was a, a big example. Like, for a long time, they cornered the market. But in the United States, we have the market cornered by three companies, and I think we need to be able to have more. If we are able to have three companies creating baby formula in the United States, we should look at the market forces that have disrupted it to the fact to the spot that only three are creating it, because clearly only three is not enough, is it? Yeah. And so I would love to also talk about now, I mean, the, with this whole thing going on, you see parents, you see posts about parents traveling for hours to try to get their child the formula they need because they're, this is a big issue and there's certain children who can only have certain types of formula, so on and so forth. So what options are available for parents who have to buy these specific formulas for their children? And I mean, we're seeing reports of this shortage, but are there steps parents can take to ensure that their children are fed properly? Heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I guess I just want to speak to the very human part. Uh, I remember being a first-time mom. And um, I, first of all, I want to give some grace to moms that are not able to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate. I, and I will say it was really hard. It was probably the hardest part of first-time motherhood for me. But there's moms that are on medications and they can't breastfeed. And there's moms that are post-surgical and they can't breastfeed. And there's moms that are, you know, don't have enough of a supply. So those moms now have been for months in a setting in which, in addition to the great stress of parenthood... I, are you a parent? No, 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 I am not. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you, it is a great stress. And especially, like, either the first round of it or... Even if you're having like your subsequent, your second, your third, your fourth child, if you've got a bunch of little, you know, little ones to haul into a car and have to drive around hours, you're not exactly giving them a good quality of your attention at that point. So Mm -hmm. it's a terrible problem. So what can parents do? Um, I think parents should start at the local level because I have definitely read about parents who are gathering together and finding other parents that have extra formula. You know, maybe their child gets to 11 and a half months and then they're done with the formula. So they're putting it into a clearinghouse and moms are helping moms. God love the moms of America. 
you know, I love seeing happening. So I would start at the local level for that. You can also start at your county health department and then move on up to your state health department. And I believe, um, gosh, I can't remember, it might even be the FDA that has suggestions about, you know, where to go and where to look for, for formula. But I think people at the grassroots are starting to, to put things together. One thing I will caution people, you shouldn't try, definitely don't water down your formula. You know, I will tell you, I, I remember my training in Chicago and, oh, my goodness, a couple times a year we would have a baby whose parents were, you know, very economically disadvantaged. They tried to stretch the formula out by watering it down and the baby would have their body chemistries come in completely askew and they'd come in seizing. It's a dangerous thing to do. And for the same reason, I don't recommend parents like mix up, you know, evaporated milk and this and that. Um, so start at the local level, work your way up, talk to other moms. Um, you know, if you are a new mom, look for your resources to try to continue breastfeeding if you could. Even if you're able to continue breastfeeding once or twice a day and you can't feed solely breast milk, you're still able to cut down on the formula supply that, that you're using. And then that, you know, lessens your stress in some ways. But as I mentioned, breastfeeding is certainly... Um, it's stressful to start and it's stressful to keep up. You know, it's a, it's a real tax on a body to breastfeed, but it's been a real tax on the moms of America who are traveling all around looking for something that is an essential need for their baby. Yeah. And I, I really want to, you just mentioned the economic aspect of this as well. I mean, we're seeing inflation and a rising prices of a lot of things right now. What can people do who are financially just struggling and i mean it they, they need to provide for their family and that does include baby formula uh, is there anything that those people specifically can do and i mean right now a lot of america seems to be struggling so I'd oh love to yes i know it's you know what honestly it's funny the day that it, the first article came out i was at the grocery store with my son and um we're, we're a very thrifty family we always figure why pay more I mean, when you're in school as long as my husband and I were, <laughs> you know, you, you find ways to save money. And I taught all my kids this. So the youngest, we were getting them ready for college. And we found this grocery outlet. And it was it was really sweet because he was, like, coming up to the grocery cart and dumping things in while I was still trying to check out. And he kind of commented, like, wow, the prices here are so incredible. And the the woman who was checking us out, she said, she said, you know, wow, it's terrific that your son is so aware of prices. And... You know, they were all raised that way. I just don't understand why everyone doesn't think that way all the time. You know, like, why pay more for anything? But so, you know, I think, like, looking at ways at, at cutting down and cutting back in, in many aspects of your life, doing your own cooking, you know, for the rest of the family. I mean, it's not, it's not easy, and people will, you know, push back and say that healthy food is, is expensive, but... I told you I was about to go shopping. I'm going to an international market that has incredible prices. I drive 20 minutes to get to the place. And while I'm down here, I do some shopping at one of my favorite thrift stores because I recycle. So I think thinking along those lines overall is a big help. Um, I think especially in terms of the formula, anyone truly economically disadvantaged should look at their local women's, infants, and children's program, the WIC program, because they do supply formula. Um, it, it, they do a lot of good. I, I do have some concerns the way the WIC programs run through the states. Um, each state gets to select only one formula company to supply all of its all of its uh, WIC infants that they're helping. And it could be the way that these 
which contracts are selected, that may be adding to us getting down to where we have only three formula companies making most of the formula. And then I just want to end on this one last question, and that would be, I mean, this is going to be a really broad question, so answer it how you want, but where do we go from here uh, in this regard? I mean, we've already talked about this through this interview, is that this people are struggling and this is the most precious and innocent among us struggling. So where do we now go forward? So where we go forward is we realize that we have to prioritize feeding our infants. It's just a priority. It's the end of the story. Uh, We need to loosen all the restrictions we can to temporarily end this shortage. Uh, And then we need to do the long-term things to make it viable for more companies to be making formula and creating more jobs and more production here in the United States. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been very helpful for myself and for hopefully our viewers to learn more about this crisis going on in our country. So thank you so much, Dr. Mass, for taking time out of your day to discuss this with us. My pleasure. Call me anytime. I love to talk. Will do. Have a great day. My name is Micah Hart, and today we were joined by Dr. Marion Mass. You've been listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Mass.